Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. How can the pattern be that evil? It makes no sense, and things have to make sense. If you make a tool with no sense to it, it's wasted metal. The pattern wouldn't make waste. And that is Perrin <laughs> on page 378 of The Dragon Reborn. Try to figure out the pattern like you do. You know what? I'm a liar. I definitely did underline that sentence. Yes! Before we started, we were thinking of a quote, and I was like, I didn't underline anything. <laughs> Lies. I'm a liar. Okay, so we are rereading the books in advance of the TV show adaptations release, talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite moments, and digging into all things Wheel of Time. Uh, and I actually, for once, don't have any pre-discussion notes. I <laughs> have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this section up here. All right. And I told Preezy that she should expect some ranting. So. Oh, I mean, I'm excited. I There are definitely some some weird things as usual. So, yeah. all right, let's just let's just dig into let's it. Let's do it. Uh, so we start on chapter 33, right? We're doing chapters 33 to 40 today. Um, and so we're back with Perrin. And despite, <laughs> despite my ire last time when I was like, no, this is very good. Yes. <laughs> he is a good character when he's allowed to do things. So, you know. It's, it's true. So we're kind of, we do a little bit of like a, a fast forward where they're like trying to catch up with Rand. And there are all these like things happening, but they keep seeing like uh, po- like signs that point to him where it's like a footprint or like whatever it is, a boot print. Um, well, I love that there's there's this really ominous thing about dog prints that yes. like, disappear. And I was like, whoo, that's definitely very Rand unsettling. And the dogs, the question mark dogs that are hunting him that we still don't know what that's about. Yeah, it's very weird where we only get we're still only getting snippets of Rand, which I really like. Um, <laughs> Perrin is at first just we're getting a lot of his anxiety about his dreams. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to think about Hopper who has been showing up in in his dreams like Hopper. he he thinks that I know I love Hopper so much and he like thinks about how he saw Egwene and he has this line where he's like he did not want to think a dead wolf might be creeping in not even Hopper and I was like since when first of all <laughs> Hopper's the one who's protecting you like Seriously. be thankful right be grateful sir um so they keep like going again along these like towns and they're kind of like fast forwarding through them and I thought it was so funny because I had this moment where it's like Robert Jordan is coming up with so many names for towns <laughs> and in my head I was like I wonder how he did that <laughs> because whenever I have to like make up a name for something and something I'm writing I'm like this is the worst that's so funny <laughs> I I it never occurs to me to I like Especially when I was younger and reading a lot of fantasy, I was like making up names for things all the time. Uh, so I, I think that's like the fun part, right? Really? I'm yeah. always like, oh, there's so much pressure. Like, does there need to be meaning behind it? Because we have, so there's like Sidon, Willer, Jara, they're all Samaha, right? Like Ta- Talon, Colin. They're all these names. File. They're just like, they're like very, like, kind of in like, just as, and, and maybe that it's Jordan. So like, God knows they'll come back. So but <laughs> I still was just like, man, these are so many names to come up with. Like, 
how much and he didn't have Wikipedia when he was doing this. Because <laughs> at least now when I'm coming up with names, there's so many sites I can go to to be like, what does this mean? Yeah. What's, what's the root of this word? Or like, what's let's double word? check that if I name it this, nobody's going to come for me. Exactly. Like, let's just make sure that there's nothing problematic about this thing. I will um, bet you, I, sh- I should double check this in my encyclopedia. I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I didn't look it up in advance. But I will bet you there are like super detailed maps for every leg of Rand's journey. Oh my gosh. That include like the town names and stuff. I mean, that's just my guess, given the way that like everything else happens in this book. No, I think you're right. Because I even at one point during this section, I never look at the map yeah. like very rarely but I flipped back and forth a few times Did to you? look at the map because everyone is going in such different directions yeah. but also somehow the same direction right so I was like I don't understand yeah. what's happening I was just like whatever I don't care I just assume I, I, I don't care I just don't I, care I, like I wanted to get a map in my head of kind of where they were all where they were in relation I, to I each other you. that's like the responsible reader thing to do. <laughs> Uh, so he has this, they're kind of noticing these like both good and bad things that are happening in the villages that Rand presumably is going through, whether it's like, it's very chaotic neutral, mm -hmm. like things happen and sometimes they're fine and sometimes they're super not fine. Yeah. It's, it's just, and, and so Perrin goes to Moiraine to ask, and then we get that quote that you read at the top of the show. Yeah. And I love this, this idea of him because you can see it's so perfect for his Mm -hmm. character. Like he's a blacksmith. So of course he thinks of the pattern as being like that, like his experience of when you make things. And it's like, why on earth would you make something that's wasteful? Like it just doesn't make sense to him. And I just, oh, it's such a, such a great character moment. And then Moiraine has to be like, well, it's not that simple. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's just the place that you exist. Right. You right. Like right. your setting is neutral. Right. Your the, the space that you inhabit, although that's not necessarily true ever. Yeah. But in an ideal world, the space right. that you existed within would be neutral, right? Mm-hmm. It would just exist as a place to be. But the pattern, so the pattern is that. The pattern right. is just existence. Right. And sometimes uh, it's good and sometimes it's evil, but the pattern is not like making things. The pattern mm-hmm. is just part. It's, it is the things. It yeah. is the things. Pattern. Yeah. The pattern just is. Right. And I did get a little irritated again because, you know – parents like what do you but like what do you even care and like he he's like I care and um Moiraine looks at him and he was like he didn't know what what does he say he was not sure what the ice did I cared about beyond Rand I'm like no context right she only cares about Rand because she cares about stopping the dark one from breaking the world right this is so this is my beef with this it, this is my hugest beef with this section is that, and it happens a couple times in this chapter, Jordan has set up this extremely antagonistic relationship between yes. Perrin and Moiraine that keeps happening and does not make any sense to me it for doesn't. either of their characters. Like, yeah. it just, like, Perrin is not a dick and Moiraine is not, like, a snobby, arrogant, like woman like I don't understand but they the way they interact with each other is so 
antagonistic. Yes. It's yeah. just so, and it, it's it weird. I just don't get it. Like, I, I feel like he felt, maybe he felt like there needed to be some kind of like character conflict in these sections. And so this is how he decided to execute it. But I hate it for the it, record. I hate it. It doesn't feel earned. No. Which no. we've talked about before, how he's like, he fits characters into what he wants to do yeah. sometimes versus then allowing them to exist as they seem like they should based and on his own characterization in the same chapter too right like this mm-hmm. conversation between Perrin and Moiraine is not in fact antagonistic like he's asking her a genuine yeah. question based on his understanding she's giving him a genuine answer like it's a very genuine conversation that makes perfect sense with their characters mm-hmm. but then he adds on these like well what does she even care about and like the later scene in the inn where they're like at loggerheads over something and it's just so it makes me so angry I hate it I hate it's, it so much it's very strange it's very strange and an otherwise like thoroughly enjoyable yeah. reading experience yeah um so they come into this town and there is a man hanging in a cage <laughs> It's a tall man dressed all in grays and browns in a cage. And I think we can sort of guess that this is probably an aisle, which is then confirmed. Indeed. Um, which I thought was funny where Perrin was like, I feel like I know him. <laughs> I know. How many? I, I, Yeah. He looks like the aisle as they're very clear about what the aisle looked like. Right. Right. Um, so they go into this this in uh to get a few rooms and find out that there are a bunch of hunters there for the of the horn horn, um some of whom are predictably annoying who supposedly took on 20 aisle with 12 men and defeated one and caught the other yeah which and killed all of the other ones which we know is total bullshit yeah yeah no way (laughs) based on what we know of the aisle three books in that sounds super fake Mm -hmm. picks or it didn't happen yeah, that's but right. <laughs> everyone, every, everyone in town seems to believe. And so Perrin realizes when he realizes it's an ailment that they've caught in that cage that this brings back what Min had told mm-hmm. him. Um, an ailment in a cage, a turning point in your life or something important will happen. And so he's kind of like very anxious about that, but of course doesn't say anything to anybody. This Orban dude comes in after getting the crap beat out of him and wants like medicine or something because he was a hunter and he's one of the people who took took on the aisle. And we get this like conversation like white cloaks are there, just some sort of like ambiance conversation, yeah. I guess, to let us know the state of what's going on. But while they're standing there, Perrin notices a woman who is <laughs> staring at him. And it's this like he is like, okay, I'm standing with an Ogier, Lan, and Moiraine. Why is she looking at me, who everyone is assuming is the servant? Like, why am I the one who is being looked at? And it really unnerves him. And so he goes back to the conversation. He's like kind of still paying attention. And we find out that there is somebody who is preaching the word of the dragon. Oh, yeah. Essentially in Gildon, right, who is Masima. Chapter 34. Stupid Masima being a being a weirdo. <laughs> like, what? This whole thing was like, okay. Right. I'm sure that's going to come back too. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I, I have vague memories of that being a thing. I don't remember any of it, like, at all. I didn't remember Masima. I don't remember the preaching. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you remember the name of this character when she shows up before she actually gets named? I did. Okay. No, wait, the real name? Well, I mean... Her nickname or the her actual name? Yeah, yeah, her nickname, I guess. The name that she mostly goes the by. Nickname the nickname I remembered. Yes, okay, yes. Did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And right? I, have, I have it written down in all exclamation points. I was like, <laughs> I underlined it. She's here. I'm so <laughs> I, excited. Well, like, because I didn't, but I didn't remember it was a nickname. No, we'll me get, Okay, me we'll neither. get to that. Yeah, we'll like... get to it. Okay, so I just wanted to, like, check to <laughs> yeah, see yeah, where yeah. our rememberings, where we are in our rememberings. So anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> so we find out about Masima and, like, Moiraine has this sort of funny moment where she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking I'll deal with him. Yeah. Um, and then they go upstairs to their rooms. Loyal and Perrin. I loved this moment. We're loyal so excited about this bed. I know. He's and, like, look at this bed. And Perrin kind of, it's like when your friend is when your friend texts you a meme you've already seen yeah. is what it felt like. Perrin's like, that's really interesting. And Loyal's like, it is. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Oh, poor Loyal. I know. Loyal needs like a, a another super fan with him who will he get just does. excited about things as he does. <laughs> um, but parents kind of like, well, I don't want to go back downstairs. I don't want right. whatever's happening down there. And so, uh, so he goes to I hated this. I, I hated this, this so much. It's so dumb. He goes to see Moiraine, which first of all, why is everyone always walking in on each other naked? Like, why is that always Because happening? Robert Jordan has to get in his like weird gender. It's so weird. Stuff. It's, yeah. It's like so it's annoying. happened like three times in this book. I know. It's a constant. It's, it's, it's so like strange. That and like the hair pulling, which everybody always talks like the braid. The braid tugging. And the arms crossing. Like the braids and the arms crossing are... I think much more shouted out as recurring things that Jordan does, but people walking in on other people in various states of undress is 100% as prevalent as all of those things. Like as someone who has been in the position of like, where you have, when you're writing, you're like, why do I keep using the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like I have control F to go and look and be like, Oh, I have this character fist pumping three times. (laughs) Nope. Unacceptable. (laughs) Like going in and change it. It's like, I get it. I get it, Robert Jordan. (laughs) But like you try to think about like, what is the point of it? It's to create discomfort, right? Like the function of people walking in on each other in various states of undress or to establish some kind of power dynamic. Like there's like, like, it's so weird, but it's unnecessary so much of the time. No, no. I was saying like, I get the braid tugging and I get the arms crossing because that is something where you're like, okay, I need this character to do something with their hands. Right. And I need them to like have some kind of action. It can't just, because, as much as I would love to be able to just write like dialogue right and nothing else <laughs> you want to write screenplays is why I'm hearing <laughs> oh god no but like you know you're like oh here's the flow of the conversation oh right. now I have to think about what they're doing and describing what I they're see. doing and so like fine you want to like fall back on these crutches like whatever I get it this idea of consistently having people walk in mm. on other people while they're naked is so fucking weird yeah it's so weird. It's such a weird, consistent thing. Yeah. So, okay, so that happens. <laughs> and, like, Perrin comes in to talk to her because he thought the thing with this woman staring at him was so weird. Um, and they're talking about, like, 
how do we find Ran? Moiraine has this moment where he's like, I don't think he can travel. Hopefully he can't travel, but I'm going to get there either way. Mm-hmm. And then he asks, can she sense dark friends? Because mm-hmm. he's worried that this person is a dark friend. I did kind of like this moment where Moiraine's like, you know you're good looking, right? <laughs> I went back and forth on that because I like so often comments about everybody's various attractiveness are mm-hmm. used as like in like a weird, uncomfortable yes. way. So I was like, uh, how do I feel about this one? And I was like, eh, this one's probably fine. <laughs> this one felt like the most realistic thing yeah, to me sure. because like Car- Perrin is a character I think of him, Rand, and Matt. Perrin would be the one who didn't think it was that. Right, right, right. Right? Like, Matt would be like, obviously, it's because I'm I'm hot shit. (laughs) Right? Perrin would be, and Rand, I think, to an extent, but Perrin particularly, who doesn't think all that much of himself. Right, right. So it made me laugh a little bit where she was like, some girls admire a pair of shoulders. Right. (laughs) Which, same, Moiraine, same. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. Um, But she kind of, like... She brushes them off and yeah. she's very dismissive. She's super dismissive. Of Which him. is weird and like you Again, said, like, out of character yeah. in that wouldn't you want to double check given right. your circumstance? Right. Like don't you want nobody taking special notice of anyone in your party? Like this feels extremely – and if she knows he's Taverin, it's not like she doesn't know he's Taverin. Right. So like on top – you know, like there's all these reasons why – she should actually be like, hmm, maybe we need to keep an eye on that. And said she's like, she probably just thinks you're hot. Go away. Yeah, like, it's so not. weird. It's Again, it's just this unnecessarily antagonistic relationship that he's got going on that I really hate. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. So she kicks him out and he goes downstairs. Um, and he's kind of like. He's lurking. He's lurking. He's like kind of thinking shit about everybody around him. Um, and he goes to the square where the cage is, where it's empty, and he makes a decision. Yep. I love <laughs> this moment. I love it's this It's very moment. good. It's, it's very good. so good. It's such a good – so he lets he lets the guy out. He he pulls the rope and, and gets the cage down, and the guy's like, wow, it took three people to get me up there. Um, and it is an aisleman, and we find out, of course, that it's this aisle named Gaul, and – it was only two of them that all these hunters went up against. Yeah. And it was, he was like, we messed up. Shouldn't have done it. Sucked. But here we are. And I I like, we, we have a few aisle conversations mm-hmm. in this section. And I, I've enjoyed all of them. Because mm-hmm. it just brings such a depth to the mythology of the book and, and a new way of thinking. Right. Because Gaul is like talking about like, First of all, his response to Rivers, which which does get doubled down upon later. And is mm-hmm. so like, he's like, oh, so much water. Like, Gross. that's weird. And then he says they're looking for he who comes with the dawn. So like, you know, and Perrin already has had this encounter. Yep. Knows what that means. They're looking for Rand. And and he tells him, he's like, I think he's going to tear. And the, the Gaul is like oh interesting and like starts talking more about you know putting pieces together sort of out loud which you're right it just adds so much to the mythology and then 
the fucking white cloaks show up. Yeah, but of I, course they do. I loved it though. Did like you? I loved this reaction because it was such a new reaction of Gaul being like, too late, the <laughs> savage is loose. <laughs> and then turning to Perrin and being like, do you like to dance? I was like, <laughs> I love everything about this. And then they just fight and like decimate these white cloaks. Yeah. And it's awesome. I mean, it makes me anxious because Parrot is already like had so many bad run-ins with the white cloaks and this only makes it worse. And also he's so conflicted about it. Like he responds like in the heat of the moment and kills a bunch of white cloaks or severely injures them. And then he comes out of it and he's like, ugh. I don't feel great about this. Like his conflict about violence, I feel like is so relatable. It it is, and he's like kind of. I I like that it was with an aisle though. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Like I like that it. I feel like it moves. It didn't feel repetitive. Yeah. Like I feel like it moved parents' story forward. Yes, absolutely. Because I agree with you. I do think like parents gonna. This is this is not over. Obviously. No. 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 But he's able to kind of have this conversation with Gaul after it. Um, and then <laughs> the girl sees him. Yep. And Lan sees him. And Lan's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I know. Lan's reaction to this is priceless. Like, Jesus, man. We just got here. Ugh. We just got our rooms. I guess we got to go. God damn it. <laughs> gotta run again and so they have to like get the hell out of this town and get onto a boat and like parent i love ogier like loyal being like wait why and parents like it's the white cloaks i'll tell you later (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) poor loyal always he didn't even get to sleep in the fancy bed he was so excited Oh, poor loyal. So yeah, so they run, they make it onto this boat, and who turns up but the girl? The girl does, but I do want to point out I loved this moment with Loyal and Perrin when they're like on the run. Yeah. And Lo- Loyal's like, Oh, this feels like old times. <laughs> and Perrin's like, Loyal, you're crazy. And he's like, No, right. I have to he goes, I have to like it if I wish to write about it, which is not true. No. <laughs> But I appreciate it. Yeah. And I love that he's like, it's for my book. It's like, for my I just, book. this is all for the book. It's all material for the book. You're like, yeah, Loyal, you write that book. Um, so- yes. So the girl shows up and we find out, of course, like she is a hunter for the horn. Yes. Yep. Which like parents like, you can't be a hunter. You're a girl. <laughs> Ew, what? Shut up. So ridiculous. So ridiculous. Shut up, parent. I do love this moment where she's like, you know, you made a mess, like you and that aisle man. Like, oh, uh, you know, <clears throat> they're just starting to get mad. And he's like, oh, you didn't tell on me? Like, she's like, no. Yeah, I don't she, care. she says she was staring at him because she doesn't like things that she can't figure out. She right. know, she realized she knows that Loyal is a no-gear. She got a peek at Moiraine's face despite mm-hmm. it being hooded. And so she knows Moiraine is Aes Sedai and she knows Lan is a warder. Mm-hmm. What does that make Perrin? Right. And so she's, you get right from the beginning, she's super sharp mm-hmm. and like extremely brave, right? Like she's, and she's, I love this theory that, you know, she's a hunter for the horn and she's, she's like looking for strange things regardless mm-hmm. of what anybody else thinks because that's what she feels like is going to lead her there. Ugh, so great. So great. I love it's, her. It's so good. And Perrin kind of is like, I mean, in his head, he's like, I know where the horn is, but <laughs> not giving you anything. And so kind of deflecting and directing the conversation. 
then he asks her what her name is and she's like you can call me mandarb yeah this moment is so funny i mean jordan did a brilliant job with this moment he did and he starts laughing really hard and she's like what it means blade it's very it's a good name and he's like yeah that horse's name <laughs> and i was like okay this is a good reason to give us all horse names jordan yeah. thank you <laughs> And then, of course, we find out her name is Zareen Bashir. And this is what I did not remember, that her name was actually Zareen. Yeah, I did not remember that. Had no recollection of it. Um, But she goes by Fail. I I mean, I'm going to say it Fail, but it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It means Falcon. Which means Falcon. All of Min's, like, bird images that we've talked about with Perrin are happening. But we're still missing the hawk, right? Yeah, we have not so we, met the hawk yet. Which I don't remember what the hawk is. Oh, I do. I really? It's in my doc. It's in my secret doc of things okay. I remember. I remember the hawk. I do not remember. Although I might have remember. mixed up their birds, actually. I think I thought that Fael was the hawk, but I rem- I remember the other Okay. Is okay. I'm going to say. So, right. yeah, I love, I love, I love that whole interaction. It's great. It's just it's a, great. It's an excellent character introduction. Yeah. Um, all right. Chapter 36. Oh boy. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say we get we get this. We're still with Perrin. It's actually a lot of Perrin in a row. But again, but it, it doesn't works. feel like it. No, because things are actually happening. He like remembered how to move a plot along. So right. So we get this really well, first we get Perrin thinking about how Elias managed to be fine mm-hmm. with the wolves in his head and like how did he do it and like he's actually starting to think a little bit more outside of just like oh I reject it I don't want it like starting Ugh. to try to think yeah. a little more critically about it which I am happy to see even though he's not he's still not all the way there but he's not and he contextualizes it as being like I get to make the choices yes which I I also appreciate yeah. that versus just like kind of like being angry about yeah, it. Yeah, like constantly like pity party whining about mm-hmm. it, which is what we were getting earlier. Yep. And then we get this another terrifying trip into dreamland. <sighs> it's so scary. Yeah. And like this notion of like he, so Hopper directs him to where he needs to be and they're standing kind of above and he can see a bunch of people who look like they have been pulled up from wherever they were in the moment they went to sleep and bows them on. (laughs) But one of those people is like, I was asleep in Tarvalin. I am asleep in Tarvalin. Yeah. And other people are like, I'm also asleep wherever they are. And Balzaman kind of is like, you were supposed to do shit for me. You messed up real bad. And mm-hmm. one of those things was you have allowed you allowed the boy to escape Tarvalin, which I think we can yes. assume is Matt. We finally know where the Matt Assassins thing came from. Balsamon. The worst. <laughs> the worst. The father the, of lies. The coolest nicknames. <laughs> the coolest nicknames. <laughs> the coolest dark lord of ever. Um, but he says you all so he tortures the guy into like non-existence. Um and he says, "You Balzman says, you all dream, but what happens in this dream is real. Yeah. I fear he will never wake. The rest of you will not fail me again. Be gone, wake, and obey. And then he's there for a minute by himself. And then who should show up? <laughs> Land fear. <laughs> and they have this very oppositional conversation. Yeah. I think, I think this supports my theory 
that Balsamon and the Dark One are two different things. Like, we had this conversation earlier, and we were unsure. But this is, I continue to believe, like, the way they're talking Mm -hmm. about, like, oh, because Balsamon is like, do you no longer serve the Great Lord of the Dark? It doesn't make sense for him to say that if he's talking about himself. Nor does it, nor does her response make sense. She's like, I serve, I serve. But they are always talking about the Great Lord in the third person. In the third person. She never says you. So, like, I really do, like, maybe, like, Balsamon is, like, an avatar as opposed to a completely separate person. Yeah. But they're not the same thing. Which I think is different and also important for thinking about how it is that, like, Rand keeps thinking he's killed the Dark the dark One, but that's yeah. not happening. And like, he keeps fighting Balsamon. He keeps fighting Balsamon. And, like, whether or not, like, Balsamon has, like, special regenerative properties, which clearly he does, I still think there's a distinction. I don't know I, what the distinction is, but I think it's there. And I think part – I think that you – your point may be supported by the way Perrin reacts – which is to say, for some reason, Lanfear frightened him more than Baalzaman yes! did. Right. There's no way that can be the dark yeah. lord of everything if that's the se- like. It just doesn't make any sense otherwise. Yeah, they they do have this this conversation, and Lanfear kind of reiterates that even though, so she calls the Dreamland her domain. Yeah. But despite that, she reiterates that she serves the Dark Lord. Or the great lord of the dark and none other forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see moments of her cracking, I think, when she talks about uh, Ilyena and yes. Luz Theron and, and what she is owed and what she deserves, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and then Perrin and Hopper leave because that seems to be kind of the end of that conversation and that interaction. Um and he's like, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, the Forsaken is in my dream. Right. And he's, he's having a little bit of a breakdown. But then I really like this kind of conversation that he and Hopper have. Yeah. It's, like, so sweet. Yeah, it really is. I love this, like, line, be wary as a cub hunting porcupine. Like, oh, Hopper, you're just, like, trying to teach him how to do the thing. It's so lovely and protective and, like, such a sweet beginning of what hopefully will become a more two-sided relationship and not just like Hopper constantly saving Perrin's ass mm-hmm. and Perrin resenting Hopper's presence in his head. Well, so we find out that the dreamland is actually where all wolves go before and after their time on Earth, which Ugh. I love a lot. And so, you know, he says, all are here, all brothers and sisters that are, all that were, all that will be. Again, kind of talking about this the dream world like it's another dimension which yeah. is very cool but then he says here i soar I like an eagle <laughs> i know and then he flies away i can't even handle i it. know and Perrin is just like so proud mm-hmm. and happy for him that he like almost starts crying yeah and i've never liked Perrin more <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good moment uh but then he kind of he sees Rand standing yeah. just below him, and Rand is surrounded by Mirdral and people and fighting them and mm-hmm. burning them. Like he's trying to like basically maybe use Balefire on all these people. Yeah, yeah. And Perrin sees that more are coming, so he calls to Rand from his face above him. He's standing above him. And I love this, like, the way this part is written because Perrin, like, yells, Rand, Rand, there are more coming. Rand looked up 
at him from his crouch, snarling, sweat slicking his face. Rand, there, burn you, Rand held, and then he throws fire at Perrin, and you're just like, ah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and then Perrin wakes up, and he's got a burn on him, because mm-hmm. of course, and he's like, oh, I have to go, I have to tell Morian this time, and which is, it's, because he hasn't been telling her about every dream. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it skips around what he talks to her about yeah. what he doesn't because of their stupid relationship. And so he, but he does, he goes and he finds her and tells her all of the dream and is like, is it important? Like, what is, what is going on here? And she reacts very annoyingly I again. Know. It's like, oh my fucking God, like, he's really? having prescient like dream walking dreams and you're going to be like, whatever. Well, her reaction is like, he tells her all of this, which I appreciated. Like he finally yeah. comes clean about everything. And she's like, there are women who would gentle you if they hurt. Like, why would, what, like, in what, what is that what you're leading with? Is that the appropriate way to respond to somebody who you need to be on your side? Yeah. Like he even, like I, his answer is just like, well, thanks a lot. Like, yeah. You didn't need to do that. It didn't, you didn't need to react in that way because she's basically telling him like the, what he's doing is incredibly rare Mm -hmm. and you don't need to be afraid or worried that it's because you have the one power. Like that's not what it is. And he's like, great. You could have said this in a different way. Yeah. And she's like, oh no, no, no. You should still be scared though. (laughs) Like they might not. They might not be able to gentle you, but they'll probably kill you in the process. And you're like, why are you talking like that? I know. It doesn't, like, this is, he is giving her potentially extremely useful information Mm -hmm. that could, like, change her actions. Yeah. She, like, admits that she didn't know this. Like, she, she, this is not, she didn't know about the wolves. She didn't know this stuff. Um, And so he... Rightfully so, but yeah. I think again because Jordan needed him to be able to do this, yeah. Instead of like having it happen naturally, right. gets to the point where he's like, "What are is this? What we're gonna do?" And she's like, "Don't question me, right? Like you don't know the questions to ask, and you wouldn't understand the answers I gave if I gave them to you, and I'm not gonna do that." Right. And then he again, like even after all that, would yeah. was like, "Would you heal this?" And she says, "No." I. She's being such a bitch in this scene and it it for no reason. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense and it puts you in the re- you as the reader in the position of siding with Perrin when he's like fine I won't give her all the information even right. though for 3 books we've been like just right. tell Moiraine. Just Moy tell Moiraine. She's the one who has everybody's best interests at heart but now she's like acting in this very unsettling and unnecessary way. It's so dumb. It's, it's so, so weird. Dumb. So it makes me feel so crazy. And then they have this like random side conversation about Zareen yeah. uh, slash Fail uh, because Perrin wants to know why she picked a different name basically. Mhm. And she's like, oh, it's like that's a that's a name for somebody who's going to like lie around and be waited upon and be beautiful and not ever do anything with her life. Uh, and and then she like says this like very like weirdly cryptic like, oh, you should be careful if there's a passenger named Zareen. Like it's very like, I don't like, even what? what does that I, even mean? Just, exactly. Like I just I hated this whole interaction. I hated all of it. It was all so it. strange. It was yeah. so strange. Um, So he. That's kind of the end. He like goes back on deck and sees Lan and Zareen. Um, and he thinks about men's viewings and is a little bit sad for himself. Yeah. Which like um, fair in that <laughs> moment, like kind of fair. 
And then we get this supremely fucked up scene with <laughs> Rant, which I was like, good lord. I know. So we get another glimpse of Rand from now from Rand POV where he's like tired. He's been running. His side hurts where that where he got stabbed. He real he at least realizes that he almost accidentally killed Perrin. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. And then these people come in and there's like a merchant and they have these like the ar- the people in armor around her have these like fish scale armor and right. he's like, I have to be careful. No mistakes. And she talks to him like she's a merchant and there's nothing to tell us otherwise. And then he fucking beheads her. Yeah. And kills all of them. <laughs> and kills everyone. With, with the sword made out of light. Yeah. With I the know- sword made out of light. <laughs> when did that happen? And then he uses the power oh to move them all into kneeling position. I was so fucked up. That moment, was I was so like, wow, we are and really. He, he starts, he starts speaking, saying, I, if I am the dragon reborn, that is the way it is supposed to be, isn't it? After he lean, lines them up to kneel and have their um, heads bowed to him. Yeah. And then he kind of there's this strange thing where he's like I thought there were 10 but there were 11 men kneeling in the line gray man you think it's the gray man I think it's the gray man because you don't see them until yeah 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 too late and he just happened to kill the gray man as he killed everybody god it's so unsettling it's such an uncomfortable unsettling moment and then he just like takes off with one of the horses because he has to get to Tyr and he thinks Tyr is where it will end. Right. Because it, and he still like doesn't know for sure that he's the dragon reborn. So like he is trying to get to Kalendor to actually I think he's trying to disprove the prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I'll get there and then I won't be able to do it and then I I will know for sure that I'm not dragon reborn. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen. But this whole moment where he like posts the bodies of the powers, oh. so ugh, like Rand, this is why everybody hates you after a certain point <laughs> in the books. But the thing is, it's like I don't even. Uh, it, it's. It I mean, it's like unhinged. It's not yeah. on purpose. Like he's, right, he he's, feels possessed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like it. It feels like there's something acting through him. Right. Whether it's this like dragon reborn madness or whatever it is like he is not rand no right i mean well i mean like i mean he is but he's not yeah he is he is taken by something which is not to like be like you're you have to take ownership of your actions like you did this but as a reader it feels very much like there's a reason we're not getting his pov beyond just from a writing perspective i think from a character perspective it's difficult to stay in the head of somebody who is acting antithetical to the character that we know. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, it's like you said earlier, we didn't spend that much time in Matt's head mm-hmm. prior to the removal of the dagger for yeah. that very reason. So. Whew. All right. Chapter Whew. 37. Oh, man. So now we get a Gween. We get back to the the uh, Nancy Drew situation. Yeah. Black Aja hunting. <laughs> And, and they're in Carrion already. Yeah, they're already in Carrion. I have to say, this whole bit on the boat, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> okay, I guess they're not quite in Carrion yet. They, they're on the, the Carrion is like on one side and the, they're like on the border, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that river, I guess, is the border. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I did not care about anything that was happening on this boat. Uh, let's see. What are my notes? Oh, my notes say Egwene, exclamation point, braid jerking. <laughs> Sad yes. I mean, there's some, basically it's like, there is, we get some good dream stuff. Like we yeah. get these like more, like we said last time, which I mm-hmm. still think is the case that it's probably filled with some red herrings. It's probably filled with some truths. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to keep us on our toes as readers. She, uh, again, thinks about Matt being followed by a man who was not there. Um, she thinks about Rand. She thinks about Perrin. Rand escaping things. Rand being on a chessboard, which seems like a pretty explicit sort oh, yeah. of... yeah. Like, I, like, that seems like a pretty specific, like, metaphor to me. Right. <laughs> Somebody is using Rand as a pawn, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she and Elaine kind of have this conversation where Egwene comes to realization in the midst of a separate conversation that Matt is probably being followed by a gray man. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like talking in this, in this. I will say thing. you get a little bit of the interesting, like way that the dynamics between the three women are developing. Like, you know, there, there's some tension there. I don't but know I thought- how much of it is earned, but like, that's how what I felt like it was a bit a little bit repetitive hmm. the tension between Egwene and Nanave. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, Nanave's treating me like a kid and that's right. kind of the interaction we've been seeing. Yeah. It's true. So I would have liked to have it, for it to have moved forward in some way whether right. it's Egwene like reacting to it more aggressively. Sure. Instead sure. of these kind of like awkward things that Elaine has to try to. Yeah, like passive aggressive sort of needling of each other. I will yeah. say that it so so their boat gets stuck and they have to get off the boat because they're not about to stop. Uh, and Nynaeve is like, well, we'll walk like fuck this here or we'll find another boat. <laughs> yeah. like, we're getting off either way. We're not waiting for you to figure out your boat. And no. so they get off and this leads to one of yes. my favorite sections. Yes. So like I that's what I was I like the boat stuff was boring and yeah. then the minute they get off and they meet Avienda. Cheers for Avienda. <laughs> it took us three and a, two and a half books to get there. I'm so excited she's finally arrived. So this is chapter 38. They are walking to whatever this next village is to try to get to try Uh, to get another boat boat. and they run into an isle a a maiden of the spear indeed Farderize may uh and it's avienda who uh i didn't remember the character description for this but it's basically obi-wan kenobi (laughs) in the The prequel thing yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i was like you are just describing you and McGregor in a Phantom Menace. <laughs> but redheaded. <laughs> but redheaded. <laughs> um, and so she comes up and they kind of have this conversation where Elaine is the most knowledgeable about the aisle of the <laughs> Quote, three of unquote, them. knowledgeable. Knowledgeable, which is to say not very knowledgeable. But again, right. we get we're getting these hints of like another perspective on the tales that we have been told for two and a half books. Like the Isle War. I love this idea of like the Isle War, of the Isle not considering it a war. Right. Right? Like that's a little bit later, but like that was awesome to me because I thought that was such a strong way to be like, 
be thoughtful about the stories you are being told yeah. because we we've been consistently getting that message from Jordan right. in various other points but yeah. this was this felt the most explicit to me of like look you have two and a half books in which i have said this was the aisle war mm-hmm. this is how it went and now we're finally getting a moment to be like but Maybe it wasn't. Right. And I was like, oh, that's so good. It is so good. It's so good. And I love, too, this implication that, like, the only reason that Avienda reveals herself to the women is because she spots that they're Aes Sedai. I mean, she sees mm-hmm. the rings. She sees their bearing or whatever. And she's like, oh, we have somebody's been injured. And, like, you look yeah. like wise ones. And they can do some healing. And we've heard you can do better healing. So, like, will you come heal this person who's been injured and so they go to find you know the rest of the group there are a bunch of them and mm-hmm. one of them is extremely injured and Nynaeve has to like get herself angry I love that she's like <laughs> what an idiot letting herself get like <laughs> injured like this oh, I'm so mad at her and like that's how she works up her rage to like yep. be able to fix it Classic. <laughs> um we learn a little bit about I'll like familial and interpersonal relationships and and how they can be even they can either be like truly blood related they can petition to become that same level of related despite Mm -hmm. not actually having a blood connection some of this stuff in terms of like the way they talked about whether or not they attacked women I was like hmm because it was just so binary Mm -hmm. again which Mm -hmm. is a consistent issue these books have but it's just like we would never hurt a woman Unless she attacked us first. I'm like, the women can also be bad. Right. Right. <laughs> Lest right. we forget. Lest we forget. And like there's you... like there's a there's a very interesting thing going on where the other women are like making these sort of pointed comments at mm-hmm. Avienda that like definitely go over the heads of the yes. three Aes Sedai girls, but like I know some context personally as a rereader that I'm like, oh I know what that's about. I kind of remember, but not completely. But I did like this idea of like she was like stuck behind and all these people stayed behind to make fun of her. But really, she was like, no, it was just so that they would be with me. It's it's like such a great crew. Like they're a great crew. Mm -hmm. They are. Um, So Nene, we get some more stuff about the river. Mm -hmm. Um, How they're like swimming yeah yes and they're super freaked out by it but they're also like well i'm gonna go through it anyway like you get to see their approach to fear and danger which is like feel the fear do it anyway very much yeah and then we also see like they would never harm an Aes Sedai they have this this um idea and i can't i don't think we knew this before i don't remember but this idea of like it is said if we fail the ice to die again they will destroy us right i don't think we've heard that before like i don't think we knew that so it's bringing all this new con this this one meeting brings so much new context to the story that we thought we knew yeah yeah which is what happens to matt and perrin and Rand and Egwene throughout the whole series (laughs) (laughs) oh so good this is when they finally learn what Balefire is. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which, again, implies that the Isle and all these different groups have more information than the people who are supposedly the top tier of what is happening in the world, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, I love this thing about, like, oh, the White Tower has forgotten much as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a great moment of, like, yeah, we don't know everything about everything. Yes, but even though they pretend to oh, yeah. pretend to Absolutely. be the people in charge, it's it's excellent. Then we get to chapter thirty nine, which is like 
I just was like, okay, like, can we stop having these women get captured by idiots? Yeah, right. So, so we like, I know they needed more- to happen, right. but we get a bunch more conversation about why they're going to tear and what these women yeah. are doing. They're all looking for he who comes with the dawn, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, and then they part ways. And then, yes, Elaine, Nynaeve, and Egwene get captured by some assholes, some random assholes. There is just like, uh... I did forget that we we talk about more versions of the Isle perspective on why that war that was not a war happened, mm-hmm. which was like the king who was given the gift of the a branch from the tree of life. Right. King Layman. Cut it down to make a throne, which is like, okay. Classic dick move. Classic dick move. <laughs> um, and then it kind of goes, what is it called? A- Avendoral. Avendoral. Yeah, I can't say it. I cannot say um, it. And so they talk a little bit more about the prophecy of Rand's birth specifically. Oh, and Egwene. Egwene kind of has this moment of like she knows Nenev knows something about Rand's birth and hasn't told it to her. Right, right. So I'm hoping that comes up soon because I also don't remember what that is. <laughs> and then they get caught by being beat in the head, and Egwene has Wait, some like pause. PTSD. Yes, pause, pause. I thought yeah, it yeah, was yeah. just that Nynaeve knows that Rand is not actually related to his parents, and Egwene. I thought know it was that, that she knows something that. She hasn't told Nenev and or hasn't told Egwene, and that she wouldn't tell Egwene. But aside from just that, like, was it just that he wasn't the parents? I don't remember. I think it's just that. I think it's just that they're not his real mother and father. I think that's all it is. Okay, because there's no reason Egwene would know that. That's true. So. No, I can't remember who knows what. Yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to thousands of pages of book i know <laughs> anyway all right I anyway know. it doesn't matter right now so they got kidnapped they got captured they wake up they've been drugged elaine's head is like split open it's all very dire and they're they're hearing that they're going to be sold and that they were specifically looking for Aes Sedai to sell to like some unsavory character yeah. and uh and and so they're gearing up to, like, escape. Uh, Egwene does this very, like, elaborate, mm-hmm. you know, one power use on the lock on the door. Oh, oh, wait. I did want to point out that this is some of the first time we've seen that Egwene watched Nenev heal. Oh, yeah. And she sees the literal weaving yes. and how complicated it was and how Nenev was suppo- like was able to do it. But Nenev was like, that sucked. I never want to do it again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't have her herbs. She like needs her herbs. She needs to be angry. Yeah. So she gets angry enough to do it, but it's like hard for her. And in the meantime, she has no idea what she's doing. But Egwene yep. can actually like see the whatever briefly. So mm-hmm. she starts to understand a little bit more about the healing. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Because then when they do this like cool move with the lock with this yeah. teeny tiny strand yeah, um, to break open the lock because these idiots are trying to sell them. And it's a fucking murdral that they're trying to sell them to. Three murdral. Terrifying. Three oh, murdral. My God, horrifying. Horrifying. Like, good lord. Nen- like, and this is after Nenev has had to heal Elaine from yeah. a broken skull because these idiots literally smashed her skull in. Yeah, yeah. It's bad news bears. 
Yeah, and then just as they're about to like try to get out, the Fardarais may show up. Well, a bunch of Aila actually. It's not just the women mm-hmm. of the spear, uh, and they like a bunch of them die, but they're like, all right, like dancing with. A it's half so man cool when they're like, board. "Dance with me, Shadow Man. Dance with me, Eyeless." I was like, "This is the coolest shit I've ever heard." I got Jill's just thinking about it again. It's really it's awesome. so good. Slash then, terrible. They, a lot of them die. It's really sad. It's very sad. But Nene, Valena, Gwen come out and literally light all the midroll on fire. It's awesome. Which is awesome. And, you know, of course, the woman that Nene was just healed gets stabbed by a midroll and so she dies. And Nene is very upset about it. And Nene accidentally uses Balefire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet Ruark, who is a chief from the Isle who has come into. Um, the threefold land, as they say, because the wise, the wise women were basically like, we had dreams. You have to do this. Right. <laughs> you have to go already, even though he didn't want to. He's like, oh, I'm too old for this shit, but they made me come. But Egwene has a very pointed question she asks where she says, you spoke of dreams. Do your wise ones know what their dreams mean? Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Because Ruark is like, some do. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to know more, you got to talk to them about it. Um, but because the Midral or those people have taken the rings from the three of them, yes, Land's ring is also sitting there amongst the the serpent rings, and Rourke picks it up and he's like, "Huh, well, this is weird." Yeah, <laughs> this is wild too. You're like, "Oh shit!" The the Aiel know who Lan is. Like, yeah, they're like, like of oh, course yeah, they that would. Guy. Right, right. And the name's like, uh. I have nothing to do with this. Give me my ring. Right. We need to go to tier. Like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. But the Isle come along with them. Yeah. Which is great. The Isle kind of escort them to the next village where they mm-hmm. can get um, another boat, basically, yeah. to get to where they want to be. And it's, whew, it's like I feel like so much happens mm-hmm. in those pages that you're just like, over, it's almost like information overload. Well, I was just going to say, it is an overwhelming amount of details that don't all fit together yet. Yeah. Like, they're referencing so many things and not explaining most of them. So, like, we get a little bit of, you know, exposition with Elaine, like, trying to explain what she knows about the Aiel to Egwene and Nynaeve, and then the Aiel being like, ah, eh, that's not exactly right. So, like, there's a little bit of explaining going back and forth, but mostly it's just, like, boom, here's a clue, boom, here's a clue, yeah. boom, here's a clue, boom, here's a reference, and you're like, ah, I don't know how all these fit together. That's kind of how I felt about this entire section. Like, we still yeah. have one chapter left, but, like, this entire section to me felt like, boom, 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 and you're just like, ah, my brain! <laughs> I mean, I, I always feel like, though... If the author is doing their job, I don't have to remember it all and like That's put it true. all together right away, right? Like That's true. You these should be seeds that then grow into other things that it's not on me to like remember every single random phrase. Now, again, that's only if the writer is doing their job and so like question mark. But <laughs> To be determined. To, TBD. TBD. All right. So then our last chapter, though, we're back Yay. with Matt. He's Yay. My guy. Uh, we're back at Matt on the boat where he has been taking people's money, <laughs> taking people's food. Yes. We find out later on just to be a dick. <laughs> the part where Tom is like, oh, man, you ate so much. He's like, I was mostly throwing it over the side at the end there. <laughs> what? 
Matt, what the hell? I loved it. You're such an asshole. You're the best. I love you so much. Oh, you're such a jerk. I I, I did want to point out two moments where Egwene, when she's talking to Elaine about Andor, Egwene is like, well, Elaine tells me I'm Andoran, but mm, it sounds fake. (laughs) And Matt has the same thing. He's like, as long as they don't try telling me again that I'm an Anderman just because of some map. And I was like, that's twice. Like, I know they've talked about it before, but the, yeah. those both those moments felt very pointed so close together. Well, I think also it it's relevant because there are warring mm-hmm. factions going yeah. on, right? Like, there's a lot of conflict. There's people trying to cross borders and getting turned away. There's famine. There's refugees. Like, we haven't talked about that at all, actually. But this section has a lot. There's a lot uh, of that. Of that going on in the background. And, like, Elaine and Egwene have a conversation about it, actually, when they're still on the boat. Elaine's like, how can you ignore all of this mm-hmm. and Egwene is like I can only focus on so many things at a time and like I have a job to do and this is not related to it but Elaine because she has been trained to yeah. like be uh, in a position of authority is like well I can't just ignore it like I yep. can't just do that but there's also nothing she could do about it at this moment but it's really eating at her and I do appreciate like the way that that is in the background, you know that, like, the stakes are, it's not just about these three women or, like, Perrin and Matt and Rand being tough. Like, there's there's so much, or, like, even Rand having very specific effects on the villages that mm-hmm. he's passing through. Like, there is so much other shit going on. Like, the world really is falling apart at the seams around them. Yeah. It's a very, there's, like, this whole sociopolitical issue yes. going on, but it's it's told in moments. Yeah. And so we are seeing the pieces that they see, right? Yeah, right? We don't know really what's happening other than there is conflict and there is strife. Right. And it's relevant in this case because if they're drawing like battle lines and like lines of like, okay, who's yeah. loyal to what, it actually does matter yeah. if you're an Andorman or Carhianan or Terran or whatever. Like these mm-hmm. things are going to become more and more important. And it's like, classic two rivers shit to be like i'm none of those things i'm I'm not involved in this this is not my problem (laughs) i would like to be not involved in this narrative (laughs) check out i don't love this journey for me like (laughs) so they get to this town where there are like a ton of refugees there's no food there's nowhere to stay he and tom like basically pull themselves off the boat because the captain is like, hey, are you sure you don't want to stay? Are you sure you don't want to, like, being, like, super creepy and weird about it because he thinks it's an inn with his high lord at right, Terror right, right. or whatever. Um, But they get into this town and Matt has a ton of money because he's been dicing. It's not as good luck as he had on that one creepy night that he keeps remembering. But pretty consistently good luck. Um... And so they, he's like, I want a bed. I don't want to stay in a barn. I want to find an inn. I want to eat something. And so they're walking through the crowds and there are all these people around them who are like sad and dirty and starving. And, and uh, they have, he and Tom are having this conversation about how someone should be doing something basically. And Tom's like, oh, and you go out of your way to help people. And Matt's like, I'll help anyone who can pay. Only fools in stories do something for nothing. <laughs> and then a paragraph later sees a sad woman with her kids and is like, take some money. Go give them some food. 
He's so full of it. I love it so much. It's great. It's a great, it's a great character moment. It's absolutely a fantastic It, it is. And then it's Tom a... is like, oh, okay. not only people who can pay, huh? And Matt's like, shut up. Shut up. So they, they go to one inn and it doesn't work. They like talk to a soldier and the soldier's like, look, this is what it's like. You, We don't have space for anybody. This is what it is. Yeah. And they keep going to inns. And then finally at the fifth inn, Matt's like, fine, can we stay in the stable? Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, the stable's for horses. And Matt's like, here's a lot of money. Yeah. Can we stay in the stable? Yeah. And the guy's like, fine. And also here's some food. And also, I guess you can buy my horses if you give me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. They get to – they get inside the stable. They're in the loft with the hay, the hay loft as it were. <laughs> <laughs> How precise of you. <laughs> and they see this woman come in from the rain with a carriage – a, a carriage, a cart, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. And Matt's about to say something to like announce them to be like, ah, we're here just so you know. And it turns out it's these illuminators that we met in the last book mm-hmm. when Rand had that very mis- <laughs> ill-advised adventure in <laughs> in, uh, their, in their like what, warehouse. Yeah. yeah, their guild whatever warehouse. Yeah, yeah. They were preparing for this massive like celebration and there are all these fancy fireworks and he sets off like a bajillion of them trying mm-hmm. to get away from Trollocs and Murdral and they like take down half the building and everything's ruined. And they find out that it's, uh, or we find out that it's Aludra, who is the guild master, was kicked out of the guild because of this guy, Tammuz, who was actually, not really actually at fault, but like who, yeah. if you didn't know Rand was there, that that is the guy who would be in at fault. Um, and they're cut, he and like three other Illuminate, like guild members are coming after her for selling fireworks. And I love this moment that they're about to like kill her. And Matt just throws himself off the thing. I was like, what are you doing? And he just goes like tumbling down. No plan. No. Nothing. Just tumbles down. All his stuff flies out of his pockets. And Tom has to send his quarterstaff down. Like, bro. So impulsive. It was and then amazing. He's like, he's like, did you have to choose this stable to be murdered in after he dispatched all of her <laughs> opponents? She's like, what? I don't know what you I love it. I have a dagger. Like, I didn't ask you to jump out of a haloft. I know. She was like, I didn't. I just didn't want you to hurt me. So I stayed out of it. And then, of course, Matt has this moment where she's like, she's older than me, but she's pretty hot. <laughs> Matt. Um, <laughs> and then she gives them a bunch of fireworks which are incredibly incredibly expensive things to have and also like and she protected tells them- like the secrets are of the guild mm-hmm. like it's a big i mean that's why they're trying to kill her right is because she's like trying to make a living off of her craft as yep. is only appropriate but they're like you can't you're not in the guild anymore you can't do this and she's like Yes, I can. I'm, I'm and, gonna do it. Right. And they're like, well, then we're gonna kill you. So like it's a big deal that she's giving them these fireworks. It's a very, very big deal. And she also has invented some way of I assume they're matches. Yeah. It kind of sounds like she invented matches. Yep. I feel like I want to keep an eye on the technology that mm-hmm. is that is happening in these books and when a character recognizes a new piece of technology. Yeah. Because I think it's gonna I think I don't remember, but I think it leads up to something. Hmm. Um, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And so she gives them these fireworks, 
and is and Matt has this moment where he's like, she just gave us all her most expensive things. I know. How is she gonna eat? Yeah. And then he just gives her a bunch of money. <laughs> and she's like, so he's pretty young, huh? To Tom. <laughs> and Tom's like, yeah, he's young. And not <laughs> half so bad as he would like to think himself. Sometimes he's not. And then they realize, like, they have to get the hell out of there before these, like, dudes, because they didn't kill the dudes, they just beat the crap out of them. And so she's like, well, I'm off. Right. I'm I'm gonna go. And then Matt and Tom are like, I guess we should also go. And the chapter ends with Matt being like, Tom, if I ever look like acting the hero again, you kick me. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And Tom's like, what would you have done differently? And he's like, nah. And they race off into the night. <laughs> That's how this section ends. Oh, it's such a good section. Like, no Aside wonder everybody loves. Yeah. yeah, despite the frustrations, it's like there's so much fun. There's so much information. There's so much building. It was. It felt like a lot of building. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Oh, boy. I know. That was so much. Whew. I know. We're, I feel like, imagine if we had stuck to the 10 chapters. <laughs> I don't even think about it. I this is plenty. This is plenty. Mm. Well, speaking of chapters, keep an eye out for our future episodes. They are every other Wednesday, and next time we'll be talking about chapters forty-one through forty-eight of *The Dragon Reborn*. Uh, in between shows, if you have thoughts, feelings, you know, things to say, we are talking about all of this under the hashtag Tarvalin or Bust on various social medias. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters, Sam S., David U., Amy R., Maradim, Mimi K., Amanda, Mark D., Heather J., Christina M., Malia H., Keith, Sirish G., Olivia K., Joshua S., Nicholas E., Michelle S., Michelle D., Danae, Destination Toast, Kat S., Jericho W., Saber Bouquet, Thomas K., Elizabeth F., Emily, Evans K, Ola J, Yulia S, and Brian D. Uh, if you want to hang out with us over at Patreon, it's patreon.com slash or bust. And a big thank you to Brian Dunn, fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at briandunnmusic.net. That's Brian with a Y and Dunn with two N's. And if you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other people to find the show. We super appreciate seeing those reviews come in. We might read it on the air. Just saying. And then uh, in between, you can find us on social media and our other podcasts. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL, or you can find me on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. And I also podcast for Book Riot on Get Booked and SFF. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok at Run With Skizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. If you like the craft stuff we talk about in this show, like the writing, the, the writing, the active writing parts, um, I answer questions on TikTok on about how to write things if 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 that is of interest um you can also find me on desi geek girls which is another podcast i co-host with swapna krishna we are covering loki right now on disney plus and we both are enjoying it quite a bit um 
And then there's like books and stuff that you can find. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff happening, but the one we should mention is Swordstone Table, which <laughs> which Jen co-edited with my co-host Swapna Krishna. Um, and, and which you I have, have a story in. I it. have a story in about Merlin and Arthur, and it's awesome. There's kissing. Yes, the <laughs> anthology comes out. I mean, there is kissing. There is kissing. <laughs> <laughs> the anthology comes out on July 13th. Right now, we're doing a pre-order campaign. You get a really awesome sticker if you pre-order and send us your receipt. Uh, designed by the amazing Alice Tam, friend to all of us, and amazing illustrator. Uh, all of the details for that are at jenirl.com, J-E-N-N-I-R-L.com. You can find all the details right there. This episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. Bye!